This morning we're going to be in Ephesians 6, and we're going to be tackling one verse. Um, It is Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So, why? Why do we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? Well, verse 12 puts it nice and clearly. Paul says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So why do we need to be strong? Because we have to fight. Because we are called to something different than what the rest of the world wants to do, which is just simply revel in uh, itself, revel in um, just the flesh, uh, whereas we're called to something different. We have to have strength in the Lord. And in doing so, we can give glory to God in that strengthening because it's not us who is strengthening ourselves. It's not us mustering up our own strength. It's the Lord strengthening each and every one of us. It's showing that only with his help are we able to have the strength to go and do those things. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 to 10. I'll read it for you guys. It says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And this brings about a third reason. Love. That just as a child can show love in trusting their parent for protection or for help, so we can show love to our Heavenly Father through this trust. When we don't know what to do, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, please help me, and the Lord can gladly do so. It is part of that relationship of love, where a child knows that they can go to their parent, and the parent is delighted to be able to help their child, to say, yeah, sure, I'm more than happy to help you. Thanks for coming to me, because... It's my pleasure to be able to help you. And in the same way, the Lord delights in being able to help each and every one of us. Ultimately, finding strength in the Lord is a good and very necessary thing. After all, we were made to have a relationship with the Lord. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 18. uh, David is nearing the end of his life. And so he is praying for, praying about the temple, he's praying for his son, and he prays for the people. He prays for Israel. He says in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 18, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people, and this is what I really want to focus on, and fix their heart towards you. So in praying for the people, David prays that the Lord would help the people to fix their hearts as one towards God. You notice he says, and fix their heart towards you, that they together in unity can be focused on the Lord. Now, it's not exactly an easy thing. It's a battle to simply fix your heart upon God, to to place it immovably towards the Lord. It's all well and good doing it once, 
to say, oh yes, okay. But then it's very easy for us to become distracted, for things to get in the way, and suddenly we realize, I'm not focusing on the Lord right now. So to place it immovably towards God is a battle. Romans 7, verses 14 to 25, but really I just want to focus on verse 18 here, talks a little bit about this battle. Paul says in Romans 7, verse 18, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. So the willingness to do that is present, but not the strength. Because that strength doesn't rest inside of us. Each and every one of us, we can have the willingness to do what is good, but at the end of the day, we find we are fighting a battle that we don't really have the strength to do. And so 2 Corinthians 3 verses 4 to 6 comes in. It says, And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So the efficiency, the sufficiency that we need isn't found in us. It's not up to us to muster up that strength and to just press on because we're going to be finding that we're tripping up and we're falling and we're realizing, what's going on? What's going wrong? Well, the problem is, there's a strength that you can receive, but you're not willing to receive that strength. Because the sufficiency isn't within us. It is in Christ alone. And we see that sufficiency primarily in salvation. Where we were without hope, Christ died for us where we have to put our trust in him in order to be saved. We can't put our trust in ourselves because, well, game's over, we're done. We have to actually go to the Lord because he is where our hope is found. We have to put our trust in Christ in order to be saved. However, this total God sufficiency doesn't end at the cross. It doesn't end at salvation. We don't get to salvation and say, great, I did it, let's move on with my life. And just move on with like a ticket and, you know, ticket out of hell in our back pocket and we skip along and live life how we want to. That isn't where it should be ending. This God's sufficiency doesn't end there. That God's sufficiency continues on. That is the beginning of the road where we recognize that and say, okay, Lord, help me to walk in this. We need to be putting our trust in him for that sanctification. Him continually working in us. Us actually having that relationship with him. You don't have the relationship with your parents just to be born and then move on and be like, thanks mom, thanks dad, see ya, and move on. That's a totally ridiculous thing for us to think of. A newborn baby somehow living life on their own. We all know, just simply out of normal logic, that any kid who's just been born needs its mother immediately in order to be able to have any form of sustenance. It needs the warmth, it needs the love, it needs the care, it needs so many different things that only the parents can provide. And then you keep on going and you've got years before 
that child has actually learned enough that it's, okay, cool, go be independent, you're mature enough to be able to do this now. Now, we have to think of that in terms of uh, sanctification as well, where we're actually realizing, actually, we're not reaching an end of maturity. We're not reaching the end of a relationship. We're not only going to the Lord when, oh, Lord, I, I need help with this. But actually saying, Lord, I just want to have a relationship with you. I just want to spend time with you in the morning. I just enjoy being with you because I love you. It's not this genie in a bottle kind of relationship. It's a father to his children kind of relationship. So it's not us just going to the Lord and relying on the Lord for spiritual battles. What good is it, really, if you only seek strength when a battle's before you? You need to be ready before that battle comes. Now, my brother is um, uh, an avid, aspiring boxer. And now he's had one fight so far, which he's done very well in. But when my brother is coming up to a fight and he knows what's ahead of him, he doesn't sit and go, great, oh, that sounds cool, I'm looking forward to that and then sits on the sofa at home playing on his Xbox. I mean, he does do that, but he also trains. He knows what's good for him. He knows, you know what? If I've got a fight coming up against this guy, I want to find out about this guy. My brother will come to me, and he'll be like, I need to find all the videos you can of this guy who I'm going to be fighting. And he wants to know everything about this person so that he can train up for that battle that's ahead of him. He knows what's ahead, and he wants to be effective in what is ahead. And so likewise with us, we can't sit and only go to the Lord when it comes to a battle, when it comes to a moment when we're like, oh, I really need the Lord here. We need to be abiding with the Lord. We need to be training beforehand. We need to walk in the strength of the Lord before the battle so that we're prepared for when we actually need it most. John 15, verse 5, talks about this. And I really, like, I really like the whole Gospel of John. John 15, I like as well, um, because Jesus just brings about such fantastic analogies. And at verse 5, uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And Jesus puts it pretty plainly there. I mean, you can read it all in context, and there's even more, and there's so much more you can gather just from this. But to put it pretty simply, we have to abide with Jesus, and without Jesus, we can do nothing. We need to be continually receiving from Jesus. He is where we can receive our sustenance. He is where we need to be implanted in so that we can be growing properly, bearing fruit, and actually living healthily. Because you don't get branches that are separated from the vine and they're just out in the middle of nowhere and they're doing wonderfully. That's not normal. You don't see a stick on the ground and go, wow, that's a fantastic stick. Because it's just not fantastic. It's got no fruit. It's dead. What is fantastic, however, is being able to look at a plant and say, whoa, look at the fruit on that. Or that just is a majestic tree or whatever else it is. When you're living, it's a far more beautiful and glorious thing. 
but we need to be continually receiving from Jesus. And as I was uh, sitting to kind of, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to say? Because, yeah, don't really, don't really know what you want me to talk on. I'm like, I'm used to, we're doing Wednesday nights in the Gospel of John right now, which is nice. Uh, Sundays, we are closing off the book of Joshua. So on those instances, it's nice because you kind of just know where you are and you're like, all right, Lord, what, you know, where do you want me to stop with this? But with this, it was kind of a bit like, all right, Lord, got the whole Bible here. What do you want me to talk about? <laughs> and uh, as I was sitting and praying about this, uh, I'm joined by Alyssa and I just a couple months ago have um, a new flat, uh, which we'd been praying about because there's a whole story with that. But um, I have decided to populate our um, bedroom uh, window with bonsai trees and a pineapple plant. And um, I have like this little bonsai nursery right now. I have potentially two little pine trees that are just making their way up, which is great, but uh, the rest of them aren't really doing so well yet. I'm hoping they will do well. I'm reading up to try and bring life there. Um, but for a plant to grow, it's something that I'm acknowledging. I obviously have to be giving to that plant what it needs, but that plant doesn't just sit there the plant actually receives what it is being given. When I'm watering it, when I'm allowing it to get enough oxygen, when I'm doing all those different things, when I'm allowing it enough sunlight, it is receiving those things so that it can grow. And likewise, the Lord gives to us, and he gives to us freely, but we have to be receiving. But receiving what the Lord gives us requires us putting away our pride. Um, I was just reading up uh, yesterday, in fact. I have these little juniper seeds, and they're really great, apart from the fact that they have this hard shell, and apparently you have to break down the shell before you can, it will start receiving anything or anything else like that. And the problem is that all of us end up having this pride, like that little hard shell that needs to be broken down. And either we are the ones that choose to take that away, or if we say, Lord, please help me, then the Lord will most definitely help us. And that is a much trickier situation. <laughs> so the Lord would rather us put away that pride. And it requires putting away the pride when it comes to sal salvation, where God is giving to us mercy and grace. He's offering us salvation. And our pride sits and says, I'm good enough. I'm good. I'm fine. I think of uh, my, both of my parents uh, both became Christians um, with both of their parents not being Christians. And so my dad uh, has been speaking to his mom for a long time um, about just the gospel, sharing the gospel with her. And one of my nan's biggest things that she says to combat my dad is, you can't tell me that your nan wasn't saved. No, she was good. She was a good woman. And, you know, it's all in a Scouse accent. Um, but she'll, she'll just say that with my dad. And meanwhile, my dad's just like, he'll come away from those conversations and he'll realize just 
the pride that's there, the unwillingness to accept any form of wrong, and the unwillingness to accept the need of a savior. Then the sin in our life, where God offers us freedom and strength in him, but our pride just says, I'm strong enough, I'm good, I can do this, I'm fine. Or even with good works, where God offers wisdom, he offers discernment, he offers the fruit of the spirit, and our pride just says, I can do this, I'm able, this is what the Lord wants me to do, so I will go out and do it. And you kind of realize afterwards that sometimes you end up making mistakes in doing that. And you end up realizing, Lord, I was trying to do the right thing. And the Lord says, yeah, but um, you, you, didn't, you didn't use what I gave you. That would have been more helpful. And you probably would have done a better job. But thanks for trying. Next time, let's just, you know, let, come to me and we'll talk about this. And um, the Lord actually wants to help us in those situations. The amount of times when uh, someone has even come from church and they're like, hey, I need, I need help with this. My instinct, because I love this person, is to go, yeah, let's do it. But I have to go to the Lord. And so I have to say to this person, sure, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. Because then I have to go to the Lord and be like, Lord, do you want me to do this? Naturally, I obviously want to go and help this person um, because, you know, you've given me a love for this person, but if you don't want me to do it, that's fine. And the majority of the time, the Lord's like, yeah, go ahead and do it. There are other occasions when the Lord's had me not go and help. And I'm kind of like, all right, okay, sure. But it was something that the Lord was teaching me at a certain point where he was saying, Tom, I don't want you to just go out and just do things because they've come to you because they're in a bind and they're in a bind because I'm trying to teach them something right now. And I need you to just hold off because I want them to learn something and I want them to come to me. I don't want them to be immediately running to you. I want them to come to me first. And uh, the last one may seem a little bit odd, good works, needing the Lord's strength for that. But the reality is that we actually need his strength even to do what is good. And so moral, physical, intellectual pride, all those things, all those areas of pride have to be put to death. Isaiah 48 verse 17 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. So the Lord is the one who teaches us to profit. The Lord is the one who leads us in the way that we should go. He leads us, not us leads us. He gives discernment to do what is best. He gives us discernment to know, this is a good thing. Let me move forwards on this. Or let me hold back and wait. Or this isn't the right way at all. Um, we mustn't get in the way of the Lord actually trying to teach us something or teach other people something. We actually have to have ears to hear what the Lord has to say. So we need to go to him. And like anybody who is working a job who has a boss in front of them, if you're like, oh, this would be a good thing for me to do, do you just go ahead and do it? Or do you say, 
hey, just want to double check, are you cool if we use our resources to do this? And if it's a good thing, the boss will probably be like, yeah, sure, probably. Or if it's not, they have a better understanding of the situation, and so they can sit and say, not right now, just hold off. And so for us, we can go to the Lord in our limited understanding and say, Lord, do you want this? Do you not want this? And the Lord, in his infinite understanding, can say, yeah or no, or wait, however. So only from this position of humility, on relying on him, can we receive the strength that comes from God. When our confidence is no longer in ourselves, but it's in God. No longer then are we like this overconfident kid, approaching a really big kid in the uh, school playground and realizing, I picked on the wrong kid to try and fight here. This is a massive mistake. So just um, for a second then, we can see the strength that comes from the maker of heaven and earth when we say, Lord, only you can do this. I know I can't do this. And like, imagine Job, when the Lord is talking to him and the Lord is talking about all these amazing things in creation, when he's talking about the complexity the complexity of creation, the unfathomably beautiful and surpassing glory of his creation, only to then state, after all these amazing things, like as he blows Job's mind, to then say, but these are the mere edges of my ways. For Job to be like, wait, you just, you just did all, like, and this is just like, a, yeah, whatever. It's, you know, it's good. This, this is just the mere edges of my ways. To say that, like, I remember each time I read that, I love it, because it just gives me goosebumps. When you realize just how amazingly awesome, like the correct use of awesome, amazingly awesome God is. When he can say all those things and just say, these are the mere edges of my ways. So it helps us then recognize, even if just only a tiny bit, the fact that the same God who created the heavens and the earth gives of himself to us in his love and then offers to strengthen us as we abide with him. And so we have to be foolish not to accept this. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, when pride comes, then comes shame but with the humble is wisdom. So with pride, we're left simply ashamed, saying, ah, man, I should have, should have done it differently, but I just kind of marched out. But with humility comes the wisdom. When we say, I, I have to recognize I don't know all things, and so, Lord, could you please help? And so then we are given wisdom from the Lord. And so we must humble ourselves to receive the strength of the Lord. And that happens when we put away our pride so that we can then receive God's gift. So when we put away our pride, we can receive God's gift of salvation. Romans 5 verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
So we were completely without strength. And the Lord says, but I have the strength. And he dies for us. And from that position, we're then placed in a right relationship with him to then receive his strength and to abide with him. Colossians 3, verse 3 says, For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The old life, that flesh, is put to death, and we are now hidden with Christ in God. God's strength allows us to combat sin. And Paul talks a little bit about this in Ephesians 6, verses 13 to 18, when he describes um, these things as pieces of armor to put on. And knowing about these different things is good, but they actually have to be put on to be effective. It's good that, you know, if you can recite them, fantastic. If you can read it, that's fantastic. But it has to be put on. It's better that you're putting these things on because then you're actually more effective than just if you can sing a song about it. And to clarify, I can't sing a song about this and you don't want me to sing. So um, Ephesians 6 verses 13 through 17 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul speaks about truth here, a truth to stand against the lies of the enemy. As the enemy comes in to try and say, oh, what about this? I mean, you know this from scripture. Surely you can do this. And we have truth with which we can stand against the enemy's lies. We have a righteousness, one that is not our own, but it's in Christ. We have the gospel, the footing for all that we do, to stand firm on the gospel and to know it and to be able to proclaim it. We have faith. A faith that's not in ourselves, but a faith that is in God. Salvation. The knowledge that we are saved. The fact that we actually have a hope. A hope in one who is eternal and unfathomably amazing. And we have a hope in him, not in us. We have the word of God. The word of God, which must ever be in our hearts, hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against God, as David says. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, which we read a little bit earlier, the Lord is our strength in our infirmities, in our weaknesses. When things go wrong, when things are so bad and we're like, Lord, please, could you just help take this away because I don't enjoy this suffering. (laughs) And the Lord can give us a joy that is in him. That Christ could have the joy that was set before him. And likewise, that we can have a joy that is founded in Christ. That we can have strength in him. That when these things are happening and we're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Instead of crumbling on the floor, we can crumble to prayer. 
And we can say, Lord, please just help. I, I don't know what to do. And the Lord will give us that strength because the Lord loves us. And he's not just sitting there ignoring us. The Lord sees us and he hears us and he loves us. So the Lord gives us strength in all of these different areas for specific moments. But then there's the continual strengthening that we'd mentioned earlier. The strengthening that we receive as we abide in him through prayer, through the word, and even fellowship with the bride of Christ. Like That's one wonderful thing, to be able to see so many people and just fellowship together. No matter how many people there are as we can come to church, whether there's, I mean, before now I've had to teach a Wednesday where it was me and one other person in the whole church. And I was like, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> and you know that the Lord will still use that. You know that the Lord still speaks. So the first point for that then is prayer. And uh, there is a quote by a guy called William Cowper. Now, some of you guys might know who he is. I only know him for this quote. So uh, being that it is the only quote that I know from him, uh, it's my favorite quote of his. Uh, <laughs> so William Cowper says, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. And it's part of a larger thing that he says. I just don't know it that well. Um, the reality is why he can say that is God's invited into this situation. Because no longer is it us against the enemy saying, oh no, what am I going to do? But all of a sudden, we call out to the Lord and the enemy goes, oh, come on. All of a sudden, it's no longer the little guy fighting the one who's been fighting saints throughout all the ages. All of a sudden then, the infinite, unfathomable God comes into the situation and he says, hey, you were messing with my child here. What's going on? <laughs> and all of a sudden, Satan's like, oh, we messed with the wrong guy here. Because we're calling on a strength that is not ours. We're calling on the strength of the Lord. But we need God to help us ask for his help. Romans 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, it is not only the means by which we can ask for strength, prayer, but it is an opportunity to rely on the strength of the Lord as we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us pray. As we say, Lord, I really need help in this situation. And as we can also say, Lord, please, I don't know what to pray for. Please help me to know what I should be praying for. So it's then a praying that is led by him, and it's a praying that is strengthened by him. And we see this very clearly. Like, it's not necessarily as obvious until you start trying to pray first thing in the morning, like the moment you wake up. And me, I'm a bit more of a night owl. I enjoy, stay like, I enjoy staying up late. 
and uh, I enjoy waking up a little bit later in the day uh, than my wife, but not like totally late. Um, now, I tried to start the habit of I wake up, and the moment I wake up, before I even get out of bed, I start praying. That didn't work too well. Because I was starting off, I was like, oh, Jesus, please. And then I wake up, and I'm like, how much time has passed? And I realize I'm now late for work, and... Uh, Lord, I, 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 wait, what happened? Did I pray? I, th- I think I was in the middle of praying. And you then continue and you're like, man, Lord, all right, I need help with this. And so the Lord gave me wisdom at that point and was like, why don't you get out of bed first? So I started getting out of bed first. That did a lot better. Um, but just sitting on the bed wasn't good enough because that wasn't working. It then got, I'll just lie down because it's more comfortable. And then you realize you're asleep again. Instead, it needed to be, all right, let me get up. Let me like wash my face real quick. Let me actually be in, an, be in the sort of situation where I know I'm not going to fall asleep. But I'm at the same time, I'm not just getting on with my day. But I'm actually starting out the day in prayer. So... That's one area where we can clearly see our need for the Lord to actually help us pray, to at least have the wisdom to know when to pray and even have the wisdom of how to pray. And praying doesn't have to be a long thing. Praying can simply be a, Lord, please help me with this as we go on. It is the continual communion with the Lord that just as I'm able to talk to my wife in a very short sentence, as well as a very long, whatever, essay. Um, She probably appreciates the shorter ones more than the whole essays. Uh, (laughs) That being said, the Lord actually enjoys communion with us. Whether it's those short moments of, Lord, please help me. Or whether it's, Lord, I've got a long list for you today. Then there's reading God's word, the Bible. In Luke 24, verses 45, uh, Jesus is, uh, gives his disciples understanding. And so many countless other times you see Jesus give his disciples understanding. Where Alyssa and I have actually been going through um, the Gospel of Luke. Um, and the disciples, so many times, I mean, in all the Gospels, you see them like, oh, wow, Jesus is talking, oh, wow, what's Jesus saying there? What is he talking about? Why is he talking about wheat and stuff? And they are a little bit confused as to what Jesus is exactly meaning when he's talking about different stuff. And so they go to the Lord and they say, Lord, we heard what you were saying, but what does it mean? And so Jesus actually gives them understanding. Jesus is like, great, you've come to me for understanding. I'm more than happy to help you guys out to understand what I'm talking about here. John 14, verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And that's the wonderful thing. We have the Holy Spirit to help us understand God's word. Because his word is food that nourishes us. So he doesn't only give us sustenance, but he actually helps us to digest it as well. 
So without his explaining his word, we're left simply relying on men's interpretation. But the spirit can actually give us understanding. It's like watching a movie. Now, imagine watching a movie and you finish watching the movie and you're like, great, fantastic. Now, something that I used to do with my brother growing up is we'd watch the movie and then we always had like VHS or DVD. Um, You get the director's cut. And that one would have the directors explaining everything as the whole movie goes on. And you kind of watch a movie, and if you've watched Lord of the Rings with anybody who likes Lord of the Rings, they've probably said at one point, oh, this is the bit where so-and-so breaks his toe, or oh, this is the bit where this happens, and you've got the commentary as it goes on. And that's just from somebody who just likes it. But imagine the director's talking to you about everything that's going on, all those little things that you didn't pick up the first time. Now, that's what we have with God's word, but to an even greater extent, where you can read the word and the Lord actually says, you see this bit that you're reading? Let me tell you a little bit about this. And so he shares with you about that. And you, you can even read the same thing again, and the Lord can even say something that you're like, really, Lord? I didn't realize that. And even the 10th time through, you can read it and be like, wow, Lord, each time I read this, you like, each time. It's not even like I'm reading the same passage. Because the Lord gives us understanding. So, um, I remember when I was 14, we were at the time of going to a bunch of different churches, and uh, they didn't... I'll put it this way. Easter service, the cross wasn't mentioned, but we talked about a game of chess. So that kind of gives you an example of the kind of churches that we were going to at the time. But um, after growing up with my parents and making the commitment to the Lord and saying, yeah, Lord, I want to follow you. By the time I was 14, I'd kind of decided, I'm good. I kind of just want to live my life. You know, my way, yes, I'll go to church on Sundays, and, uh, you know, Sunday school's good and stuff. Um, but then at the age of 14, the Lord really got a hold of me, and I decided, Lord, I don't want to just live like how I want to, how I want to live it. I want to live it how you want me to live it. And so I started reading the Word more. Now, as I was reading the Word, the Lord is explaining his word to me as I'm praying about like, Lord, what does this mean? And different things like that. And then I'm also listening to some teachings online. Now, the problem with teachings online is you don't always know who you're getting or what you're getting with that. And believe me, there are some wild things out there. Um, So as I'm kind of even kind of trying to grasp who's who's good for me to be listening to and who's really not good for me to be listening to at all, I have God's word to say, actually, this isn't good because this doesn't align with God's word. And I have his Holy Spirit to give me discernment, to say, that doesn't sit comfortably with me. Why does that not sit comfortably with me? And so I go to the word and I say, that's why, because he said the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us and clearly that's against scripture. So, okay, cool. So, We actually have the Holy Spirit to help us understand his word. We have the author explaining his own book to us. Furthermore, we need God's strength to not read and grow tired as well. 
when you get to numbers and you get to certain books and you're like, got a long list of names here. What are we going to do? But I remember reading through some of those passages and I was like, Lord, <laughs> you're in two minds at some of those points. You read through it, you get to it and you're like, all right, Lord, I'll be faithful and I'll read through them all. <laughs> and you read through them all. And then there are other times you're like, this is all just names. Okay, next chapter. Um, <laughs> and you really need the Lord's strength to help you. Because I honestly have to say, we've been going through numbers. I mean, we finished going through numbers in church. And it is so much better actually going through it and studying some of those sections that you just feel like, Lord, please give me strength for this. Because what are you saying through this? And it's really amazing some of the things that the Lord speaks to you about. As you read passages that you're like, that kind of is what it is. What, what do you have to say? Or even those times when you're tired and it comes to reading the word. And you have to say, Lord, please just give me strength. I want to be faithful to read your word. And so it is then the Lord enabling you to, hey, let me have the self-discipline to go and to do this, to read the word. And especially when we've had a busy day, it can sometimes seem like, oh, it's fine, I'll do it in the morning. Then the morning rolls around and sometimes we're late for work. And you realize, I haven't really read the word, I really should. And you realize you haven't been garnering any sustenance. You haven't been fed by the Lord's word. And so you realize you're spiritually weak. And it's the thing that we realize at the point when we are already weak. And that's a point that we don't want to be at, because that's at a very vulnerable point where the enemy will continue to get, get to us. So it's up to us to turn to the Lord for his strength and to do that continually. Now, even when I was studying for this, as you can probably tell right now, I'm not like 100% in health. Um, and I had a headache and I was like, Lord, I need help because it, it, it never normally takes me this long to study. <laughs> and like, I'm not enjoying it. And the Lord gave me strength so that I would actually have something to say, which is good. <laughs> but it's so worth it actually reading the words and seeing what the Lord has to say. Because you realize, like, this isn't just a book that you can pick off the shelf and go, what a great read, so informational. I love it. I'll, I'll spew this at next time I'm one of those, you know, whatever, chats or talks or whatever. But instead, it's, Lord, this, your word is living and active. And it is so powerful. Because we have the God of the universe who was willing to speak to us that we must then be willing to receive from him, to hear what he has to say and to live it out. And then we have fellowship. So God gives us his strength to love and to have the fruit of the spirit so that we're not fellowshipping in our own strength. It's a love that doesn't run out and it's a patience that doesn't run out amongst other things. And church in Birmingham is somewhat similar to churches in London or surrounding areas of London. I don't know whether you guys would consider yourselves Londoners or not. That's up to you. Um, now, it's very multicultural. You have a lot of different cultures 
all coming together into church. And culturally, there are a lot of differences, things that you don't even realize about. We've had people come over and say, this person spoke to me like this, and I'm offended. And then we've got another person. Um, and yeah, it's us saying, That's, that is part of their culture. They don't realize that they're actually being offensive to you. So I think maybe we can just have a nice chat with them and let them know like that you were offended by that, but you know, whatever else and have that conversation to not go to them and be like, you did wrong, but to actually say, Hey, look, here's just a moment of understanding where two cultures are meeting and they just don't naturally go so well together that you're like, yes, I get along with this person. They're just like me because trust me, that won't work. Uh, <laughs> but the Lord gives us the love and the strength. He gives us his fruit of the spirit to actually help us be united as one, to be a bride that is loving one another and that loves the Lord. It's great that if we love the Lord, but if we're not loving one another, then that's a bit of a problem. We need to be united because that's exactly what the Lord wants. He wants us to be united, to be loving one another. Now, there are, there are countless times in church when someone's come over and they're like, hey, Tom, do this. And it's up to me to then either choose to take offense and to be like, I can't believe you spoke to me like that and to go off on one or to be like, um, sure, yeah, no worries. And to actually have the love and the patience that comes from the Lord, not from myself. Because it's very easy to get tired when we're trying to do all this loving and fellowshipping in our own strength. But when it comes from the Lord, we have a love that just extends far beyond any strength that we have. That someone can come to us and say something, and instead of us continually being irritated each time, we can actually say, Lord, you've given me a love for this person. Thanks, because I'm not irritated, I've noticed, and I'm really happy about that. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, people will fail, but God never does. Each one of us will fail one another that will do different things that hurts one another, but the Lord doesn't. And so when we go to the Lord for his strength, we know we're not going to be failing on our own strength, but we can actually say, all right, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength to go out and to do this because I can't be relying on my own strength here. And so we'll close up with uh, Psalm 138, verse 3. David says, in the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. So David cried to God and he was strengthened. We need only to do like David and to lay down our pride and receive from God the strength that he offers us as we abide with him. But we're actually in a far better position than David was. Because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, renewing us, making us more like Christ as we abide with him. So then when we, like those plants that I was talking about earlier, take our nourishment from God, not from the world, not from the emptiness of these things that just aren't helpful, but from the nourishment that the Lord gives us, 
when we are abiding in him, taking our nourishment from him, reading his word, applying it to our lives, we find that he's actually strengthening us day by day. We find that we're producing good, lasting fruit as healthy plants. And it's simple at a glance to look at this, but it's a lot harder to apply it because we have a flesh that seeks to rise up, that our flesh is seeking to rise up and to do whatever it wants to do. And we have an enemy that seeks to beat down our souls, to beat down our spirit, to say, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, flesh, go on, go on, carry on, carry on. We have those things working against us, but we have a God who is far mightier than those things. We have a God who seeks to save us and to help us fight the enemy and to grow in good works as we abide in him. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your strength. We pray that you would help us to uh, lay down our pride, or whatever it is, that you'd uh, help us to actually see those things, that you'd search us, that you'd know our hearts, that you'd see those wicked ways within us. And Father, that you'd help us to remove those things, to put those things away. Father, we pray that you would um, give us ears to hear what you have to say, that we would um, fix our hearts on you, that we would seek to be strengthened by you, not um, out of uh, some form of confidence or strength in our own, but, Father, that we would recognize our weakness and that we would turn to you for strength that we would honor you and that we would glorify you in how we live, in how we think, in what we say. Father, that we would glorify your name all the days of our lives and that you would help us to grow uh, healthily, receiving our nourishment from you, walking with you, abiding in you. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.